Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Gumshoe Tom. We are Team Bench. We are here to talk <laughs> wait, about... Wait, wait, wait. I'm Gumshoe Tom. <laughs> I guess I should be especially depressed for this episode. I forgot how depressing it is. Uh, I actually love this episode. I, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. All right. Okay, we're... Where are we? <laughs> True Detective, Season 4, Episode 5, uh, which is the episode before the finale called the Pentultimate Episode. So, so many extra T's in that. That's fine. Actually, <laughs> the outline tried to correct me to how it was rightfully pronounced and spelled, and I added a T because it makes more sense than whatever the original word was. We are here to talk about this this special episode and really just be ready for episode six, the finale. I'm super pumped. Um, the The ride has thus far been a real shot in the face, you know? <laughs> Tom, yeah, Tom, really makes you think. <laughs> how are you feeling? Other than this one depressing you for some sad reason. I mean, it was it was a good episode, and I think the stuff happening toward the end, I definitely did not see coming. Like, you figured there'd be some confrontations, but not to this point. Like, it was brutal and I think shot really well. My only fear here is, with this episode, I feel like we still have so many open-ended questions, and I just don't see how they can satisfactorily wrap this deal up. But, I mean, I'm for it. I'm here. Yeah, we'll talk about towards the end what stuff is revealed in this episode and where it's leading us and whether or not it's going to give us what we deserve, what we want, or what we can't have, I guess, will be the three <laughs> categories. But I am also enjoying it, and watch this transition. I love a cremation, you know? There's something about it that just <laughs> makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Um all I could think during this scene was I was like, how do they get it that clean? I was like, I don't, you'd have to really scrape to get all those ashes out of that box. But you um, still probably have a little bit of like fill from earlier. Yeah. Like in that jar. There's some, there's some ashes to ashes. Oh, is that what that means? It's just one person in another <laughs> person's jar because the cremator didn't uh, get the box clean. I don't know. This is all sad. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought this was co-talk but uh, on the second watch or fifth watch i realized that this is definitely navarro's sister mm -hmm. um, that is being cremated seemingly off the books the lady's like don't tell anyone and then much like someone handing you a steaming plate at a restaurant she says careful it's hot and i was like that's <laughs> a really weird thing to tell someone after you hand them the urn super weird uh but it yeah i mean i guess sense. generally she doesn't have yeah, she doesn't have people like watching her work. It is fascinating to watch like the creation the process, process. Um, and see somebody kind of go through it and actually pull it all together. But it, it I, I was kind of the same thing. I had the comical uh, thought of me at a Mexican food restaurant and they're handing me the plate with beans and rice and saying, oh, careful, it's hot. Careful, it's hot. Uh, it's kind of funny. And you immediately touch it. And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> of course, hot. you got to test it. Now, did you expect the crematorian lady to start juggling those ash balls? Did you did you <laughs> I didn't understand what like when did they be when did they get crystallized into, I don't know, ash oranges? Um, I found that a little bit strange, but uh, anyways, yeah, and that's that's a question. Like, can you stop the process at that point and just have little ash balls? Oh, yeah. And I mean just imagine like family gatherings you're like oh i'm gonna get out gam gam and we're gonna juggle her <laughs> and uh 
You got a little routine where you toss the balls back and forth. Anyways, uh, Tom, uh, we don't have time for this. So careful, it's hot. Um, something flashed across the screen that I thought was funny. It's like this episode was written by four different people. And I was like, ooh, that doesn't typically bode well for writing a story. And it's like the ands and the ands mean different things, like whether or not they were with each other or rewriting um, mm-hmm. I don't know why this made me so nervous, but I did note it. Yeah, I don't know. Every time you see like writing by committee, I, I can understand that. But I think the series itself is very much like Issa Lopez's vision. Like she directed all of them. She had her hand in writing, I think, every episode in the overarching story. So even though maybe this episode was, was broken up with a handful of writers, I think it's still her vision. It was still executed well. I do want to like talk about here before we like dive too deep into the episode. Did you find it odd that we didn't get any sort of like dialogue between Navarro and Danvers about the super creepy ending with like Navarro sitting by the Christmas tree, ears bleeding? Uh, like they don't seem to have any kind of conversation. I think this is like six days past that uh, event, but I found it odd that the writers chose not to address that. No, I've grown up on television. I'm pretty used to an episode ending like super dramatically and everyone learning a life lesson. And then the next week I tune in. And no one even brings up <laughs> how the one girl in the group got hooked on uh, sleep pills or whatever. Caffeine pills. Caffeine pills, thank you. <laughs> like, no one acknowledges that the next week. So I'm not That's even fair. a Saved by the Bell fan. I don't know why that was the reference that came to my brain. I'm actually pretty mad about it. <sighs> Anyways. I'm proud of you. Uh, the, the only thing I want to mention about a group of people writing something is this was the best representation of that since the U.S. Constitution. Boom. Mm. <laughs> All right. We've got Otis and Danvers. Uh, they are chatting. Where are they at? Is he in the I think the Otis jail? is at the lighthouse. Oh, he's no, at he's the at the lighthouse. lighthouse. Yeah, same, same place Julia was there, and he's kind of like detoxing, getting off of his, uh, I guess, heroin trip. Sure, 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 sure. Well, let's not rush to judgment. Maybe he <laughs> was stirring cocoa with that spoon and that mm. syringe and that rubber hose. Mm-hmm. That's how the best Coco is made. She's like, where's Clark? I like how Otis is like, Clark was crazy. And I'm like, Otis, <laughs> I don't know if you have the degree or are in any position to call someone crazy. Or if someone like Otis calls Clark crazy, what does that say about Clark? Exactly. Was, he's like, he kept saying, she's awake. And he was like, and that really annoyed me. And we couldn't do heroin together anymore. <laughs> so that guy's crazy. He wouldn't pay me back for that heroin I gave him. I don't know. This yeah. was this was uh So Otis I was say Otis was definitely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Do, yes, yes he was. <laughs> so we're gonna find Clark eventually, right? Clark's around. We have to. Yeah. I, I would imagine like the ice cave that they're going to try to get to, he's gonna be there. And maybe not alive and kicking, but maybe they find his body there. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. He's no longer awake. He's been running around mm-hmm. saying she's awake, and now he's not awake at all. Uh, 30 years ago, we find out that there was a man trapped in the ice, and he was heard like screaming and howling, and then the other men followed the sound, and he woke up in the hospital. I don't know. There was a story about like an old... Uh, like all of this happening before 30 years ago was there anything to read into this 
No, I don't think. I mean, we got this is like Otis's story, right? So we we were pointed to him from Pete doing his uh, research, finding guy with the similar like wounds and afflictions of the Salal guys. So this is just kind of him retelling and getting a little bit more understanding. So same kind of weird, freaky circumstances that happened 30 years ago are happening again now. Sure, sure. And she's like, Otis, you're going to take us to that cave system. And he's like, no, I won't. And she's like, uh, I'll get you anything you want. And he's like, heroin? And she's like, dang it, you got me. Uh, she's like a she's like a genie. She's like, I'll give you any wish. And he's like, heroin. And then genie's like, oh, that was one of the rules, but I didn't tell you. So yep. awesome. Yeah, who wouldn't want more heroin, right? Who wouldn't? I like the convenience of an evidence locker. There's something about being like a <laughs> cop and being like, oh, you need me to get cocaine? Let's go to the evidence locker. You need me to get you the keys to the Ferrari? Let's go to the evidence locker. Do cops just think of the evidence locker as a genie to follow that thread a little bit further where all of their wishes come true? When you become I mean, it depends a- on your wishes. They're limited in scope. <laughs> when you become a cop, you get three wishes, which means you get to draw three things out of the evidence locker. And that one rookie cop's like, I'd like a bloody glove. And they're like, which one? We've got lots of them. They probably won't fit. Anyways, uh, Navarro and Danvers are on a little mission, uh, and they have seat-belted the urn, which I thought was a <laughs> lovely sign of respect for that less-than-fragile metal can. Mm-hmm. Maybe think of Carlos from uh, The Hangover, where they just put the baby in the back seat and buckle him up. Yep. He's fine. Yep. Very safe. Very safe. They used <laughs> both the belt and shoulder strap, which I thought was good. Uh, Kayla, I don't... I mean, I guess this is just kind of to move Pete to where he needs to be for later in the episode, but Kayla mm-hmm. kicks Pete out. I, I felt all of this was a little bit forced. She's like, you don't spend enough time with us. Get out. I was like, I don't know that you understand what you're mad about because he can spend more time with you if you don't kick him out of the house. But I don't know. Relationships are complicated. It's Valentine's <laughs> Day and you and I are podcasting. So who are we to give advice to anyone on what a happy marriage looks like. <laughs> did we do this last Valentine's I Day? I think we did. <laughs> Nobody go back. Did. Nobody go back and look at what we were doing on February 14th of 2023. No, no. Um, but I, I do, I kind of with you, like Kayla was at least nice enough to, to pack him a bag. Like she had it all ready for him. I'm hoping she packed his toothbrush because we know how, how much hygiene is, is very important in this in this town. Yep. Um, did you also clock that he was wearing, uh, Pete, this like polar bear hockey jersey? I thought it was kind of clever. So maybe it's their local hockey team. But kind of introducing that, that mysterious polar bear again is fun. I was not. What's confusing is I'm rewatching Lost with my spouse. And the polar bear just tried to uh, attack Walt. And so I'm getting polar bears all over the place and unconfusing stories. So I'm assuming Locke has killed everyone with a knife in uh, this true detective. I don't know. Those are all references people will get. That show's still relevant, right? Uh, Evangeline Lilly, is she still famous? Yeah, she is. She's a, she's a wasp. Okay, that's fair. Good point. Thank you for being a nerd. All right. Um, we go back to Danvers and Navarro. Uh, and they discuss Leia and the water poisoning people. Mm-hmm. And this is when they're driving out to the like the tunnel openings. 
mm-hmm. that Otis was kind enough to point to a map on. I didn't really feel like they needed Otis's help. He's just like, oh, here it is on the map labeled tunnel opening. Um, well, I don't think he gives him like the exact spot yet, right? Doesn't he do that later? Like when they're actually at the house toward the end? Like he says, like, this is exactly oh, where you have to go. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, once again, my lost in my map uh, all confused. <laughs> But they find the the tunnel like collapsed, and it seems like it's I don't know, I like guess sabotaged, blown shut. I don't necessarily pick that up, but I mean, they tell us it it is, so I guess it is. I'm pretty sure mining companies it's standard practice that once a cave or mine is like they're done with it, they shut the entrance because otherwise <laughs> kids would go in there and find the bodies of homeless people. So, um, not a memory I'm ready to share to the public, but, you know, just something to keep in mind when you're <laughs> spelunking. Uh, Hank is singing. I mean, uh, I can't believe that Russian lady missed her flight for this guy. This guy can mm-hmm. sing. He can play guitar. I mean, he just he sounded good, you know? I fell in love with him. I sent him a Bumble request. <laughs> Is that a thing? I beezed him on Bumble. I don't know how that works. I feel like this is one of those things where like the actor can play and sing. So they say like, hey, do you want to incorporate this somehow? Because he had a pretty solid voice, very much like Johnny Cash vibes. I'm sorry. You think Hank, the actor playing Hank, is, has an album coming out? Like, um, I don't think you watched uh, Kevin Costner in Yellowstone, but his son, the the actor that plays his son in that, released a country mm-hmm. music album while the show was going on. And I always feel like that's Smart. a really weird take when actors are like, guess what? I can sing as well. Uh, although I am a big proponent of Russell Crowe's rock albums. So <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm a big Greatest Showman guy. I love me some Hugh Jackman. Well, that guy's just that guy's just a national treasure. One of the greatest <laughs> Americans we have, you know? Just an mm-hmm. incredible, incredible man. Um <laughs> I believe he's, he's from Australian. Arizona. Wait, what? What did you say? He's Australian, mate. I don't believe it. I don't <laughs> believe it. All that talent in an Aussie. No way. Sorry, our Australian listeners. The two of what you. What a waste. Oh, no. All right, let's get to the mine protest. Uh, the mine protest is happening. There's a lot of security guys standing in line not doing anything, but I guess mm-hmm. they're kind of behind the fence. Um, all I was just like tear gas. I was like tear gas and uh, Billy clubs or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but of course they didn't until things got out of hand. And um, Navarro seems to be all over the place. At one point she's driving with Danvers. The next she's suited up in riot gear on her <laughs> way to the to the riots. I don't. Yeah. Does Navarro sleep other than <laughs> at um, Quavex? I don't. I don't really understand what Navarro know, man. shift got- is. She seemingly has a split personality, right? If she's the one doing these killings and doesn't know about it, so maybe she never sleeps. But I did find it odd that that she joined this this crew. I also appreciate that a small town in Ennis, Alaska, has like a tank and huge riot gear and like classic America. We we're gonna over uh, militarize our our police. It's great. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I am pro militarizing our our police, Tom. So. <laughs> We'll just agree to disagree. I mean, give her, give them fighter jets. Can you imagine getting pulled over by a fighter jet? You know when you're speeding along those corridors and it's like speed monitored by airplane and you're like, yeah, right. Well, what if an F-35 came down in front of you and it was like, hey, 
slow down. I'd be like, that plane costs a billion dollars. And then the police sheriff's like, slow down. Your tickets pay for this plane. And then he takes off into space. Um, okay, that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty dope, right? <laughs> yes. um, and also, they, you know, Tomahawk missile people on the freeway. Okay, uh, let's move on. <laughs> We've got a lovely moment with uh, Pete and Hank just really father and sending it up. I felt like this whole episode, I was like, these two are going to make it. I mean, I could just feel the love grow between them all the way to the end of the episode. These two are <laughs> just, there's nothing quite like a son and father bond in a show, mm-hmm. you know? I like how they kind of put the the shoe on the other foot here where last time it's Hank asking to come over to their house on Christmas Eve. Now it's Pete getting kicked out of the house asking Hank, like, hey, I need a place to to crash. Sure, sure. Do you think when Hank was like, hey, why'd Caleb kick you out? Pete was like, oh, it's because you invited yourself over for Christmas Eve. (laughs) Like, that's the right move right there. Just to Mm -hmm. really dig it in. Um, She was like... Kayla saw how terrible you were as a dad and knew I'd be a bad dad. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) He's trying to be better. And then he shot him in the face. Okay. (laughs) Spoilers for this episode. Sorry, folks. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, not yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm so anxious (laughs) to get to the face shooting. Um, Navarro. (laughs) Uh, Navarro sees Annie in the crowd. Uh, I think... So she's obviously, once again, having like visions. And mm-hmm. then uh, Leia does something. And then a cop hits Leia. And then Navarro defends Leia. And then Navarro punches cop. And cop punches cop. And you got to think these rioters are just like, what is happening? This is awesome. The cops are fighting <laughs> each other. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I was like, okay, I guess Navarro's just a... How would you call it? A loose cannon. She's the Mel Gibson of lethal weapons, I guess, mm. in this situation. Maybe that I would was argue a bad reference. <laughs> I'd argue she's a wild card. Oh, nice, good, yeah, strong. We do get a, a bit here where, like, Leia looks to her girlfriend. Is it Cherry for like assistance? And Cherry just bails. So I, I gotta be honest, could not care less about the Sherry Leia relationship. <laughs> like they made this happen, and we were like. Yeah, they're 15. Like, what, did we think these two were going to fall in love and get married? Yeah, of course they're going to. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This was, I didn't really know what they were trying to tell us here. Was it just like that Leia would be abandoned and therefore she would like fall back? I don't know. I don't know why why they showed us that moment. I, I feel like there's a lot of maybe Leia and her girlfriend that got cut out of the show. And so mm-hmm. moments like this, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know what they were trying to tell us here. They talk about it a little bit later, right? Like, did, did they say like Sherry liked Pete or something when when Pete and uh, uh, Julia, not Julia, excuse me, Leia are kind of having that conversation in jail? I, again, I don't know if it necessarily matters. They're just trying to get a little more backstory. To, I, to I don't know either. I guess the only thing I would say is how dope would it be if the girlfriend had then like karate chopped people and just started like beating <laughs> everyone up in order to defend Leia? I would have been like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I do want to spend more time with those two characters. <laughs> but um, no Alaska justice for us. Just mm, uh, just Leia getting arrested. And Leia going to jail, escorted by Navarro. I'm assuming Navarro called Danvers to let her know. And Danvers is like, let her rot in prison forever. Yep. That was it. And Navarro's like, well, it's really only. And she's like, forever. And he's like, all right, <laughs> you're going to jail. Um Danvers and Pete have a conversation. 
Another example of Danvers being a terrible person. He's mm-hmm. like, Kayla kicked me out. And Danvers is like, good, 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 good. Now you can be a real cop because you don't <laughs> have time any... time for work. You don't have any family. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Mission this accomplished. Was, yeah. This was very... I guess Danvers is miserable, so she wants Pete to be miserable. You can't be a true detective if you have a family. Is that what we're we're learning? I don't. I mean, misery misery loves company. Uh, yeah, I wrote in the I wrote in the um, outline the worst sing it, and I have been struggling to realize what I was trying to do, but I'm realizing now that I'm thinking of Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. And I'm supposed to sing the worst, which I will not be doing because I am pretty sober. She this. is the worst. Yeah, that was close. That was that was. It needs to be a bit higher. Yeah, that was almost. No, I don't think higher. I think that was too sincere. I think is what it comes down to. And he changes pitch, I believe, several times during. You couldn't see, so. but I, I did hold my ear and have my hand up in the air. Dom, I didn't have to see. I knew exactly what you did. <laughs> Oh, man, he's great. So we find out, they talk about the Tuttles, the Tuttles being the founders of the Silver Sky Mine, and Mm -hmm. that is important, Tom. Yeah, it has like the tie-in with season one, I guess, where Tuttles is some mega-rich family that... I don't know, did something with like the Colts from season one. So I appreciate them bringing it back and giving us little Easter eggs. Generationally bad. Just when you think Tuttles, Mm -hmm. think bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly how I've always thought of them. (laughs) We find out Salal was funded by the mine and there's a little bit of a, we'll say conflict of interest, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if we get it here or later, but they, they talk about the concept of them pushing like bogus pollution numbers for Silver Sky. So that's where they kind of tie this stuff together. Sure. I mean, this is classic. Once again, none of us think uh, climate change and global warming are real. So I know I'm speaking mm-hmm. to uh, like-minded people when I say that it's all just bogus numbers, all funded <laughs> by the Tuttles, both in this mm-hmm. show and real life. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about space and what shape the Earth is in. Mm-hmm. Everyone Can't clear have... out. Give me some time. <laughs> Can't have climate change if your Earth is flat. That's exactly Scientific true. Facts. Because mm-hmm. think of a pizza, okay? A pizza <laughs> heats up equally when it's in the oven. Just like the Earth in the solar... Wait, I don't believe in space. I think I've backed myself into a little bit of a corner here, Tom. Put in a, uh, Jimmy, put in an ad break right here so people forget and maybe they'll buy something to make themselves feel better. Um, you got it, Jules. <laughs> thanks, Jimmy. All right. So uh, Pete takes some snacks to Leia, Tom. This is where we're going to take a moment to get away from the important issues and talk about the most important issue. You're in prison. I get to deliver you one snack. And this is a snack that, you know, I would say common vending machine snack. Maybe something that I don't really have to... Like, don't say deviled eggs, because deviled eggs would take a lot of work. And, and like, what am I... What are you looking for me to deliver you in prison? Um, I feel like she had... She was delivered some sort of, like, fancy Cheeto. Um, but I feel like a, a Cheeto or Dorito uh, would be would be my go, go-to pick. Are you a or, crunchy or a Snickers are you, bar? Are you a crunchy Cheeto or are you like the puffy Cheeto? 
I like the crunchy Cheeto better than the okay. puffy ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But okay. I feel like there was some like super fancy spirals type Cheeto. I don't know. I've I'm I'm uh, delayed on my Cheeto game. Apparently, there's some cooler stuff out there. Sure. Okay, that's fair. It's probably about yourself. What, what What do you want from What do you want from me? Oh, a carton of cigarettes because <laughs> cigarettes are currency in prison, Tom. You're gonna get to quote George Blue Senior stabbed in prison in a way because you only have Cheetos that you've eaten. Me, on the other hand, I'm going to be safe because I've got a carton of cigarettes. And uh, other right. prisoners are going to be like, why are you eating those? And I'm going to be like, is that not what you do with cigarettes? With a mouthful <laughs> of tobacco? I'm changing mine. I'm changing mine to an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I am having the time of my life. Oh, man. Oh, so good. So good. They get all melty. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Um, we find out via this conversation that Kayla did love Pete, and mm-hmm. she tells a story about Pete letting some kid score in a hockey tournament because the kid was going through some family stuff. It's very nice. I don't know why the show is both trying to tell us that Kayla does not like Pete and Kayla loves Pete. I know relationships mm-hmm. are complicated. Once again, we're podcasting on Valentine's Day for the second year in a row. Uh, they're going to hear this time. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so, but I did think this was like a nice, you kind of get, I mean, we know Pete is a pretty like stand up fella. So mm-hmm. maybe Pete's the murderer. Oh no. Could Ooh. they be, could they be tricking us this whole time? He's bringing, I mean, he's bringing a convict food. I'm assuming that's contraband. <laughs> maybe Pete's, maybe Pete's the bad guy. Everyone's the bad guy. He's the one delivering oranges to all those dead bodies. Um, yeah, I feel I'm with you though. Like Pete is, he has been portrayed as a good person. He's just not there for his family. And I mean, you can make the argument he's not there for his family because he's doing this case and trying to help solve it. But there's a fine line that he has not been able to to balance with his with his family. I would argue he's been with his family a ton, and he proves that by being with his father all the way to the end. So. <laughs> Um, definitely a family man who looks out, um, just spot on aim when he's thinking mm. of his dad. Who I can't wait to talk about that scene. I've got so okay. many questions. Mm-hmm. All right. We're back with Navarro in Danvers. Uh, there is a meeting. So are, is this where they're headed to the meeting with Kate and Bill Connolly at the mine? Or is this where she gets told she has to go and meet Kate and Bill Connolly at the mine? I don't think Navarro's here because Danver like fills her in later, right? Isn't this okay. just Danvers at the uh, the meeting? She goes to like the Silver Sky offices or whatever, and that's where it meets with with Kate and Bill. That's right. So she's meeting. <laughs> she and it, when she walks into the mining office, everyone is mad at her because she slept with all of their significant others. Mm-hmm. Just a common thing with Danvers. Um, but they are like they show them camera of them outside of the cave, and they're like, "Why were you there?" We've got this video, and I had to think, like, where's the power coming to those cameras, and how did they get those cameras? It seemed pretty remote, pretty cold. Um, And this is honestly, I don't even know if we we need a finale, Tom. They solve everything right here. They tell us what happened to Salal, guys. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got my written check from Silver Sky Mines right here, and I got to say, this check tells me Slab Avalanche. I believe it. I'm going to tell all my friends and I'm going to go spend this mine money because 
I don't think they're lying at all. I think this was just an accident. Tom? Well, yeah, and and I'm running for comptroller of NS Alaska, so yeah, definitely. The this, this, this Slav Avalanche, that's what got him. Classic. Quick, Tom, what does a comptroller do? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you, they are, in, they are in control of all of the remote control vehicles in the town. So congratulations, you're going to have a dope job. I'm the um, RC guy? Like I get to fly around uh, like uh, RC cars and, and no, drones? No, 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 Tom, Tom. You don't get to use them. You just like permit them and tell people to slow down and you make oh, laws about them. It's a conflict of interest if you use them. Oh, man, what a scandal. He's, <laughs> he's pulled his name out of the race for controller. <laughs> Uh, speaking of scan- scandal, it's a slab avalanche. It sounds cool, but I don't really believe it. But that's what they said about those Russian hikers uh, in Death Valley in that uh, conspiracy I was talking about in episode one. <laughs> Look it up. The uh, Diagonon Alley incident, I believe it was called. I don't know, mm-hmm. something Russian. Diagon Alley, yep. Yep, Diagon Alley. That's correct. So you're buying avalanche, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. There's no way this mega corporation keeping this town alive is is up to anything shady. That's that's fair. That's fair. Who is this? Where Danvers is like, I don't know. She plays her cards really quickly. She's like, I know that the Salal people were confirming your uh, pollution numbers, and mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. Like, she's. I guess she's trying to point out. I don't believe your avalanche story, right? Yes, and she's she's very much like Darby Hart right here from uh, Murders at the End of the World, where she takes her evidence and immediately just tells everybody about it, as opposed to holding it it close. Yep, terrible poker player. These two (laughs) cards that I'm hiding under my hand, here they are. Now show me all the other cards, and we'll figure out who's got the best. Um, I don't know. She does make a funny quip about Bill being uh, terrible at tying shoes, I guess, to uh, a real callback there. But one would argue over 20 years, they've been spending a lot of time together. So it's kind of a, I don't know. I don't really believe it. Bill seems like a wonderful, wonderful lover. (laughs) I do appreciate that. I think Adamers at one point gives a line. It's like, F you and your effing weather. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was, uh, once again, she's fun when she flies off the handle, um, and she's fun when she's mad at the right people. Uh, mm-hmm. When she's mad at the wrong people, she's just mean. And so as Danvers is getting you know upset about them trying to cover this up, this is where Bill's like, by the way, I know Wheeler was not a suicide. And that's when you realize, okay, so this is what the leverage is against Danvers that makes her you know essentially suspect not suspect but where she's not going to be able to Mm -hmm. pursue justice alaskan justice as we (laughs) like to call it in alaska and the thought here is that bill is just doing all this because he's running for mayor right so he has to kind of bend to the will of this mining company that's keeps the town alive yeah and i think there's probably some monetary transactions that are that are going towards this. I I don't know. Is being a mayor all it's cracked up to be? It seems like a real pain in the butt. I don't know that like covering up murders just so they call you Mayor Bill um, is really is really worth it. I mean, I know you get to wear that sash and you get a top hat, but it seems yeah. But you get to be you get to be that guy when everybody says the mayor's riding my butt. You get to be that guy. That's true. That's true. And people have to call you Mister Mayor. <laughs> exactly. We just say mayor. All right, we go back to Kate and Hank, 
uh, and we find out that Hank has been in Big Kate's pocket, no, Big Mine's pocket, Big Kate Miner's pocket the whole time, <laughs> I believe, is the phrase we're going to choose to use. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier that they had maybe a closer relationship because when Hank met Kate at like that ice rink early on, she calls him Henry. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool little nod early on to let them let us know as an audience that they have a closer relationship and this relationship is a little bit nefarious. Sure, sure. It's like whenever we run into someone and someone calls you Timothy, I know that there's a deep mm-hmm. relationship there. Um, it's mainly with police officers, so I don't know why you're constantly it's being Christian arrested. Name. Oh, your Christian name. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Timothy A. Thomas. Oh, was it bad that I revealed your full name across the internet? That's mm, okay. It is. Aaron okay. A. Aronson. Aaron uh okay so kate is like going after hank she's like listen danvers isn't letting this go uh she's gonna find the kotak murder site and i think they're there aren't they aren't they on the no she's okay no, i think sorry, she's I got, just i got confused yeah i think she's just talking about because they went to those tunnels so clearly they know where annie was killed and so she is now pressuring hank in order to hey you need to take care of this and hank Mm -hmm. very clearly is like but i'm not a killer oh i wish otis had heard you say that hank um (laughs) but uh, kate wants him to take care of otis and guess what if you take care of otis you get to be chef of police and he's like did you mean chief and she's like yes chef of police and he's like it really feels like you're saying chef can you and she's like fine i'll write it down and he's like yeah you're definitely spelling chef of police i'm not falling for this um and that was the whole conversation so a lot of evil masterminds we're dealing with here Mm -hmm. yeah he's gonna be the new bear um (laughs) great show show. everybody watched that So he makes mention here that he's not a killer and and says later that he was the one that like moved the body and didn't actually kill. But I'm kind of with you for a guy that says he didn't kill Kotak. He's very quick to pull the trigger on Otis here. Yeah, although Otis is in pretty rough shape. So I kind of felt like he was doing Otis a favor. Um, Oh, emergency kill, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you got any more heroin? And Otis is like, I would love more heroin. And then he shot him in the face. Uh, a lot of it's a bullet laced with heroin. A lot of, a lot of, he's like, "This is the all, all the heroin you'll ever need." Are, are we terrible? Is this a terrible way to discuss this? I don't know. For a podcast yeah, I mean, yeah. for children, we've probably gone too far on this episode. Sorry, mm-hmm. kids. Ask your parents what heroin is. Um, <laughs> all right. So we then have uh, Navarro and Kaylee at the laundromat, and I Kaylee wrote- Kayla. I'm sorry, say again? Kayla, Kayla, right? Because I don't think we knew where Kayla worked, right? But she works at the laundromat here? Yes, that's right. And she's filling in for someone, a family mm-hmm. member. And Navarro, I wrote in the outline, is pulling hair from the washing machine. And Tom, as I'm reading what I wrote, it makes no sense to me. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, I think she like pulls a clump of hair and it's like dark. Maybe it's her mom's. You imagine her sister had kind of prominently green dyed hair. Um, if it was green, you would have been her sister. So, And I don't know if it really matters. I think this is just another hallucination we're getting from Navarro. I don't know the significance of it. That's fair. 
All I, all I can say is that this would be a terrible way to live. As someone who doesn't watch horror movies because, <laughs> like, the jump scare, I'll tell you a story, Tom. Uh, gather around for story time. I was, <laughs> not to brag, working out in the garage. I had my headphones in. I was listening to our podcast, but what I do is I mute your voice and I just listen to myself. <laughs> And I was standing there listening, staring at the weights, obviously waiting to put on probably four, between 20 and 400 pounds, some number (laughs) between those two. I turned and my wife was standing right next to me. I had no idea she was there. I don't know how she got there. I freaked out and she could not have been more happy to scare. She didn't mean to, it wasn't purposeful. But I jumped so hard. If I had the hallucinations that Navarro was having, I would be unbearable. I would not be able to operate in the real world. So all the credit to Navarro to be able to pull clumps of hair out of a washing machine and not lose her mind. Or maybe she is losing her mind. I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, good for you for not having like the reaction of just wanting to punch immediately like what's in front of you. I feel like I've seen plenty of videos on the internet where somebody gets scared and they just pop somebody in the face. So No, good no, for no. You. Violence is not my first reaction. Violence is typically <laughs> my, fourth reac- my fourth reaction. My fourth reaction is like those goats that scream and faint. That's what, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, all right. Quavik found... A hunter? The hunter? What is going on here? Yeah, I don't know if he's referring to, I mean, just one of his buddies around town or if it's the hunter from like that very first opening scene that we saw kind of shooting the caribou or Mm. was going to shoot the caribou, but ultimately just find some more details about the swirl. And I guess that it was a, a warning for hunters about thin ice and to stay away. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And this is where, once again, the title of the show is brought up because they're like, the caves are in the night country. And so, ultimately, the swirl symbol is just like a traffic sign, that nature's traffic sign to warn people yeah. about falling through. That's what it is. Yield for thin ice. Yield for thin ice. Wonderful. Okay. Danvers and Navarro are having a conversation, and I believe it's Danvers that's like, hey, we just got to let this go. It was a weather event. Mm -hmm. Um, And Navarro, of course, doesn't want to let it go. She's like, we're too close. And Danvers is like, the soon-to-be mayor is on my butt. Um, (laughs) And I do see why he wants to be mayor. Okay, I follow. I get you. And And she's like, Connolly knows about Wheeler. We still don't know what happened with Wheeler, right? We still don't know who's to blame. Yeah, I mean, we we know one of them shot Wheeler based on like how even Pete seemingly figures all this details out, but we still don't know who exactly, I think, pulled the trigger. So sure. this is either Danvers covering for herself or what I think more likely is her covering for Navarro. Right. And, and the way that Danvers is saying, like, hey, you have to let this go, like Navarro kind of does, but then she says, like, I've been carrying this case, you know, on my shoulders for so long, but now you're telling me to stop. Like, you carry it. You carry the load of of this person's death sure sure so if it was danvers that shot wheeler i think this is played differently because i think this is danvers trying to protect navarro so her being like he knows about wheeler i think this speaks to your theory that Mm -hmm. it was navarro that uh ended wheeler but based on what we see in this episode could also be pete because pete can't stop shooting people so true uh, or it's the polar bear or climate change. All those <laughs> things possible. Yep. 
there I wrote a lot of background walk bys and I think that's because there's in a couple of scenes like other characters from earlier in the show kind of walk by and mm-hmm. I almost feel like the camera notes them but you know like obviously Hank following people around she's like following Danvers so that she can lead him to Otis that's a thing mm-hmm. but then the woman from the domestic abuse scene in episode one the one whose I guess husband or boyfriend shows up and uh, gets gets brained by a bucket she mm-hmm. was in the scene and I feel like the camera really wanted us to know it did did you catch that yeah I saw it too it didn't make much sense to bring this actress in to this sequence like, she's the killer I mean, I think the only thing that we saw from her that was like semi-suspicious is like she was shown that swirl symbol and like asked if she knew what it meant and she said she didn't so I don't know if she's like lying or if she's some small part of the greater conspiracy. Who she's knows? not the one missing fingers, right? It was the other woman that was missing fingers? No, no, that that's the same one. Okay. Okay. I think we got our killer, Tom. Okay. I think we've got our killer. She goes around hitting people with buckets. Mm-hmm. Classic. Classic bucket killer, they call mm-hmm. them. Navarro shows up and releases Leia, which uh, seems like Alaska justice. You can just let people out of jail and prison when they finish their Cheetos. She's like, mm-hmm. have you finished the bag? Leia's like, yeah. She's like, all right, we're done here. And she's have like, you licked your fingers? <laughs> she stopped her at the door. Like she was about to leave. She's like, did you lick your fingers? She holds them up and they're all orange. And she's like, nope. Another another month in solitary for you, <laughs> Orange Fingers. Uh, all right, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on this Pete and Hank story that Hank's like, oh, when you were a little boy, you fell through the ice and, you know, I saved you. And um, Pete looks at him and he's like, I think this is significant. I think one of us is going to shoot the other by the end of this episode. And <laughs> Hank's like, yep. So just to let the audience know we're father and son and that we've got a rich history, mm-hmm. um, this is what this is for. I don't know. I um, I tried to watch uh, the hockey movie Miracle with my kids the other day. Uh, they, oof, It's like 45 minutes of people talking and Wisconsin accents. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong. Not Wisconsin, Minnesotan. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, not less hockey than I remember. Uh, my kid was like, this is boring. And I was like, we beat the Soviets. Um, and so, yeah, that's how, that's why I'm talking about ice and hockey because Pete <laughs> fell through it. Sorry, Tom, I'm super unfocused. Um, no, you're good. You're good. I don't, do you know, is there much to make of this outside of just trying to give us more of their relationship and make the ending of this episode just be that much more heart wrenching? Yeah. Cause it was like crazy how the way they even shot this, like, Pete has to like run away from where he fell in and like the running of the stream and he's like pounding at the ice. Like it's, it's a brutal, brutal scene. Yeah. I think it's just supposed to show us that there is a father's love here, even though Hank is kind of a dirt bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, didn't, couldn't that love that he had couldn't stop that bullet, I guess is all I have to say mm-hmm. about that. We go to uh, Navarro and Rose. They are dumping uh, Julia's ashes in the water. Uh, is Rose real? 
That's the exact question I was going to have for you, right? I don't think anybody else has seen Rose outside of Navarro. I mean, Rose did point them to the Salal people, um, right? So, or was that Navarro making it up that Rose led them to them? Like, I don't know. Well, I guess Rose calls it in. And so I do think there is a conversation about Rose Gano calling it in. But, and honestly, I'm just seeing your note right now. But I do, I had the same thought as you at this moment. It was like, is she, something's going on here. And like, go back to the weird, once again, um, dinner with all of the food <laughs> and her dra- dress. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. is this person real or is this a hallucination of Navarro's? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't think we've seen her interact with anyone else. The only thing we have is that she called it in. And I think that detail is given to us from Navarro. So, but it would be weird if, I guess it would be weird if Navarro went to Rose and she's like, who told you? And it was like Travis. And she's like, but Travis is dead. It would be weird for Navarro to make that connection with a character that wasn't real, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> no, or it does. Maybe it does make sense if Travis is real talking to another unreal character. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. He I was mean, dead that's... the whole time. Navarro's been dead the whole time. <laughs> I mean, the, they kind of use Rose as a tie-in to season one, or at least Travis in that relationship with Rust. Mm-hmm. So for her to be completely made up does seem a little bit weird, but I'm hoping we get a little bit more clarification in the finale. Yeah, sure. I hope someone defines what's real and who exists. That's what I... Mm-hmm. Am I a good person? I hope they define that as well. All right, Oof. let's move on. Need a lot more episodes. <laughs> Danvers visits uh, Leia at Kayla's, and they have a conversation about just how you know how bad the mine is to people. That there's been nine more stillbirths in the past three months, and then Leia's like, "I haven't given up on you," to Danvers, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Good, good pep talk." Um, I guess this is supposed to be like, because Danvers wants to give up on this investigation, but she, I guess hearing this from Leia and what's going on, she is deciding to, I guess, dig deeper. That's what, that's what we're gleaning from these conversations. Yeah. And I think it's another, just like we have with Hank and Pete, you know, bringing these father, son, and then daughter, stepdaughter. Again, I don't know exactly what Danvers and Leia's relationship is, uh, but just kind of bringing them both kind of closer to potentially pull them apart. Sure. We visit where everyone's body is kept. They're like, we don't need refrigeration here. Natural <laughs> refrigeration. And they're like, yeah, we kept a bunch of bodies on the ice rink. I don't know if you heard that. And the gravedigger's like, I did hear about that. It made the gravedigger newsletter pretty cool. <laughs> um, they're all in the same chat room, apparently. Mm-hmm. The gravedigger showed up at the rink later, and he's like, hey, so is this like a free-use space for any bodies or just murder investigation bodies? Because, And I'm actually making all these jokes, but I realize there's a bunch of small coffins in this scene, and it's super sad. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful. Like the idea that they the ground is too hard or cold, frozen, they can't even like bury the dead. It's it's pretty miserable. I do have a question though. Do are the gravedigger and the cremation lady are they friends or are they rivals? What's your thought? I think they work together. I think it's okay. a relationship that um they they definitely work together because hmm They have the most to gain from these Salal guys' deaths, I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. 
So now we think it's the crematorium <laughs> and the gravedigger have been yeah. murdering all these people. Slightly used coffin for sale. I don't know if you saw that sign outside. This guy's making a killing. But yeah, we did it. Let's move on. All right. Oh, evidence locker time. We're mm-hmm. stealing some. What are we stealing? Heroin baby. Heroin. Heroin baby. It's good. Um, okay. Danvers knows that uh, Hank got the info from Pete. Where are we at here? I'm so this confused. Is, yeah, th- this whole sequence of how Pete talks about the Wheeler murder and the laptop, I think they're just trying to tie these loose ends about how all these different characters now know about this because this was Pete's laptop doing the investigation on the Kotak murders or, or like specifically the Wheeler murders. And Hank, I guess cracks or hacks pete's computer using darwin's birthday classic you know use your kid's birthday as nope. the password no nope. so so hank gets enough information to be able to to know a little bit more about some of the shenanigans that happened on with the wheeler case but pete is the one i think that ultimately puts it all together here mm. okay okay and this is him talking about how often people visited like the murder scene and that Wheeler was left-handed. Oh, and this is where all the photos are flipped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, that's a clever someone. I felt like a humble brag about someone knowing how to use Photoshop. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I bet you think you're cool. Um, which everyone should give a round of applause to our graphics guy, Tom, who does all of the art for our show. <laughs> um, Tom, you do a fabulous job. I bet I bet if you ever needed to doctor photos to make a murderer not a murderer, you could do it. I, I know how to use the mirror function, yes. Ooh, sounds complicated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, and this is, of course, the conversation where... Uh, so now even Pete knows that Wheeler was murdered by either Navarro or Danvers. I like the way Danvers positions this here. Like, she's not shying away from it. She's more or less admitting it without saying, she keeps asking him, like, ask me the question, ask me the question. And at the very end, she's like, you need to learn when to stop asking questions. It's pretty yep. pretty cool. Yep. And that's why I never ask questions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know about any, any murderers. This is why I've never asked anyone in my family if they're a murderer, because I don't want to know. Can't be I subpoenaed. don't, like, this... <laughs> this the sequence where... Like he confronts Nav- or Danvers about this, and then Hank or, or Pete kind of like storms out and tells Hank like, "Don't touch me." Like I didn't get how this scene would lead then to him being so upset at his dad. Do you? No, 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 no. I don't know. I just know that we have Hank lingering in the background of every scene, uh, which I thought was funny. If you're ever being stalked by someone. My advice is walk up to them and say, are you following me? Because that's a real <laughs> awkward conversation. Um, no, but to like, answer your question, like, I don't know. No, I was going to say, it's like the after party with Walt. It was his mind movie, and he's just sidling in the background of his own mind movie. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> These are all shows that we've podcasted about. So if you're joining us for the first time, go check those out. They're a good time. All right, uh, I believe this is then where we have a nice moment. Navarro showing up at Quavik's house, and Quavik gets to be the little spoon, which is <laughs> something, um, once again, on this Valentine's Day, I'd like to mention. I've always wanted to be the little spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, never have, because I've got that carton of cigarettes that protects me. 
All right. Uh, you sleep between a carton of cigarettes and your wife? No, the joke makes more sense if I'm in prison. So, all right. A little bit of a callback, Tom. Let's move on. Uh, Pete is uh, very conveniently in Danvers' shack. She's like, oh, I've got room in this uninsulated, unheated shack, and we live in Alaska. When this happened, I was like, what? This seems like the worst idea. This is his only option. He's going to be in the... A coldest shack in Alaska, but Pete's just like, yeah, I'm gonna put a poster up here, put my T Swift poster up here, my <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl winning poster here, and never the Twain shall meet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it seems like a odd place to say. You would imagine this guy has friends, but uh, nope, no friends, no just friends, colleagues and family. Just him, just him and Danvers, the two chums. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, then we have uh, Danvers and Otis. Uh, he is being bribed by heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, Navarro joins Danvers while Otis is getting high. Is this right? Yeah, I think Navarro is kind of like on her way, or I don't know if they're together, but we get another seemingly hallucination from Navarro, seeing like a little kid pass in front of her as a car, and mm. then the kid stopping and pointing at her. So again, just so many people creepily pointing at her. It's it's ominous, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Tom, as someone who, obviously, we've talked about your addiction issues many times on this mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. Um, how's Otis doing with his, uh, with his heroin technique? A-plus. You know, he's still he's still on the road to recovery. Uh, he, I, I mean, in terms of how, how to smoke heroin, don't know how to. So he seems like he's doing a great job at it. Mm. Um, okay. I know there's spoons involved, but uh, I know you talked about spooning. So I don't know if that's the same thing. I think those are the same thing. When someone talks about mm-hmm. spooning with someone, I'm pretty sure that's a heroin reference. <laughs> um, man, we are going to get in trouble for this one. Gam Gam is going to call me. Actually, Gam Gam doesn't know how to work a cell phone, so I'm pretty safe. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just get one of those long text messages that's one word in big font. Um, doesn't mean anything. Uh, she said something like, where are my glasses? Anyways. Um, all right. Hank shows up at the Danvers house. Um, I don't like how Danvers left her, her uh, gun on the counter and he very quickly picks it up. Uh, everyone knows that when you have a gun at the house, you always keep it in your hand. That is the key. Uh, it makes cutting the turkey at uh, Thanksgiving difficult. But mm-hmm. if anyone tries to run into your house while you're carving that turkey, at least you have your handgun in your hand. Wait, you don't you don't carve your turkey with your gun? <laughs> you have like not, a little knife attachment, not, or do you shoot not, the turkey? Did not since in half. Not since I got in trouble for discharging a firearm within city limits. Now that mm-hmm. I live where I live, though, I think it's allowed. Uh, who wants a leg? Bang! All right. <laughs> I just picture you putting like a bayonet on a pistol and then carving a turkey. Oh, that's a good. Actually, yeah, I haven't thought of that. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, save the neck for me, Clark. All right. Uh, Hank shows up, very kindly shoots Otis. Um, this was brutal, and I did not like it. Um, Tom, I don't know why. I guess I just wasn't paying attention. But I'm typically like, uh, this would be the moment where I'm like, oh, Pete's gonna show up. Pete showing up was a complete surprise to me. I was like, wait, why is Pete? And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's living in Cold Shack out back. So Pete shows up. Hank reveals to us that he moved Danny's body, but he didn't kill her. 
He then purposefully points the gun at Danvers, and Pete kills him. Mm -hmm. And I think that Pete gets over killing his father too quickly in this scene. I It was brutal to watch. It was a surprise. I did not see it coming. I feel bad for Hank. I feel bad for his Russian bride. But I don't feel like Pete having shot his father in the face. I feel like Pete's handling it remarkably well, I guess would be my response. Well, I think he's just in utter shock right now. Like, he doesn't really know what's going on. I don't think he kind of talks. Like, what does Danvers keep, like, saying to him throughout the scene? Like, don't, or, like, she's trying to, to tell him. Not to, like, do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't do what's going to happen. Like, it's just going to completely wreck you. And, yeah, I don't, we, we don't get much from Pete after the scene, right? Like, Danvers kind of comes in and they talk about this kind of cover up, which we'll kind of go through. But well, yeah, doesn't he say to them, you should go like because Danvers is going to tell Connolly Navarro stops her and she's like, we got to cover this up, which makes me think, oh, this is not the first body these two have covered up before. Um, (laughs) And that Pete's to take the bodies to Rose and, and, and clean them all up. He said, you know, he's like, or Navarro says, tell Rose to take them. So I guess Rose is real. Uh, take these bodies to Rose, take them to Julia. I got all that. I just feel like Pete at this time is like, go, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering this moment, but I feel like he took this uh, remarkably well. Yeah, I mean, I imagine in, this, in the finale, which I certainly hope we do get like fallout from this and, and seeing how Pete reacts because like right after the moment, I think it's fair for somebody to be in this complete shock, shock and we sure. don't really know what what is going on through his mind, nor does he, but how he kind of like handles it in these next kind of stages. But like, and again, Danvers is, she's trying to do what she can to, to save this kid and knows how much this is going to like devastate him and doesn't think that she, he should be staying and trying to deal with the body. Um, but Navarro kind of pushes her the other way and says like, no, we have to investigate. He's got to be the one that, that cleans up the scene. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was all very... I did not see this coming. Honestly, I thought Pete was going to die throughout Mm -hmm. the show, but he is clearly going to, well, maybe not make it to the end. We don't know. But uh, Navarro and Danvers head off to the cave. Um, They they do this weird rendition of that Stay Tonight, Fight the Break of Dawn song. (laughs) And I was like, don't do that show. Don't take a great 90s or early 2000s hit and turn it into this. Eagle Eye Cherry. Is that that's Eagle Eye Cherry? That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, well, here. Okay. So let's dive into it a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, obviously Hank's gone. Easily they can like walk away from this by just being like, oh, he went to Russia to be with his girlfriend, and they're like, who is his girlfriend? They're like, we don't know. She went to a different school. Um, <laughs> classic. Everyone buys it. But I feel like in this episode they really pointed to okay the minds behind this, which we got it like. I think we like that's kind of naturally in these situations, wherever it's like the um, it's always the corporation that's doing it. Right. That's like the easy. But I guess my question is like, are, is the supernatural element going to pay off? Like, are we going to get like, we've got a bunch of horror elements. Is that stuff just in Navarro's head and like everything else is, you know, normal real world stuff and we just are getting her hallucinations mixed in, which makes this all seem supernatural. Where, where think, do, As we're going into the finale, where do you think the plane mm-hmm. is landing? I think in general, like, the 
I don't think it's the corporation that is the one that is behind the murders. They just realize, like, to be able to, if they happened on mine property or, like, somebody might be involved in some form or fashion of the co-talk thing. That's what they're trying to hide. I don't think they're necessarily trying to hide, like, who the real murderer is. Because I do still think that it is Navarro. She's the one that's just kind of hallucinating. She's either, like, possessed by the, the spirit of this of this town. Um, kind of like the boogeyman figure we saw from the first episode that Darwin was like drawing. I think Sedna is like the local legend. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they might kind of draw on that a little bit, but I still think it will be, will be grounded. And it's just kind of her dealing, trying to deal with the trauma of her, of her childhood and well, her sister and everything else. So let me ask you this then in this scene or in this episode, we have the mind coming back and saying, Hey, it was a slab avalanche. Like that's what the coroner's report said. Let it go. Not a murder investigation. So is the mine doing that because they were responsible for the uh, Salal deaths? Or is the mine doing that because the Salal deaths are leading Danvers to Annie Kotok's death? And the mine is responsible for Annie Kotok's death, but not the Salal murders? I, I think so. I mean, we don't know if she's responsible for, or, or the comp- corporation is responsible for Annie's death, but oh, they know Tom, that it happened. They're in the responsible. Mine. Hank moved the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hank moved the body for sure. So they, they have some culpability for, for sure. But I don't, I think it just benefits them to not have this open case. I think from uh, Connolly's perspective too, like if he's want to run for mayor, he wants to be able to run for mayor with out the idea of like a killer on the loose and create some kind of clean uh, reasoning for why these guys guys died but I, i'm with you like i hope he gets some clean satisfying answers as to all this stuff why were the clothes folded why did they go out in the middle of the uh, night why did they have those looks on their face who is the she when they constantly say she's awake um i just think there is a lot of these open questions that i'm hoping they can get to in an hour are you going to be disappointed if annie kotak is a mind conspiracy like the mind killed her they took care of that. Salol, all those guys died from bad water and like went out into the snow hallucinating and, you know, they died uh, by that. And then Navarro is simply having visions like it's not at all necessarily related, but kind of coincidentally like falling. Are you going to be disappointed if those are kind of the solutions? Because that's. I don't know. It's kind of the easy solution, right, to right. your point. Like, I, I think the, the water is definitely in play that has been giving not just Navarro, but I think a lot of these characters, these hallucinations. Because we've we've seen it's not just Navarro seeing things. It's Danvers seeing the bear. It's other characters, you know, Julia seeing these oranges and her mom. Like, it's not, it's, it's not just tied to that family. There's a lot of people that are going through something. So I think the mine and the corporation probably knows that as well. They clearly know that they're poisoning the water, but they don't know the to the extent that it's driving this town crazy. That's fair. That's fair. Is it weird, Tom, that this episode of our podcast is sponsored by mine-flavored Gatorade? Um, <laughs> you'll find it on the shelves this season. It's the black Gatorade. Um, charcoal. Charcoal. Charcoal-colored <laughs> Gatorade, yes. Uh, when you drink it, will it stay in your teeth? We don't know. Give it a try. Buy a six-pack, <laughs> let us know. Uh-huh. All right, I'm looking forward to the finale. I hope they wrap this up. I, I've I've had a wonderful ride. Um, uh, it's been, I, you know, they can kind of go either the supernatural element exists or it doesn't, and it's going to be interesting how how they land this plane. So, 
I have uh, I have enjoyed it. Do we need to make any big predictions, or I feel like we just talked through it? So yeah, are I think you so. Good. I, I I'd be good, and I'm I, I'm hoping based on the clues and context that that Navarro is going to be kind of the one that that jumps out, and because I do think it's it's a good enough twist. They laid enough groundwork for it to to be a good payoff. Um, but I don't think it's very clear to the general audience that it, it is her. Sure. But I could be wrong. Sure. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, if you would be so kind, uh, do please, you can reach out to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from people. Uh, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, do please, if you're here with us, rate us well. Uh, if you don't, then unfortunately, we're still going to do this podcast because we don't care. Um, <laughs> and really, it's just for us anyways. Uh, Tom, what did I miss while I insulted everyone? Yeah, follow us on the Twitters and the Instagram at Team Binge or at Team Binge Podcast. If you are so inclined, enjoy our pod and want to support us, you can also go to T Public and search Team Binge to get shirts and all sorts of fun stuff for yourself, your friends, or your enemies. Probably more likely your enemies. Yep, yep. And we guarantee that our shirts will hide nipples. So, uh... <laughs> well, we do have some shirts that have the nipples cut. Uh, our holes for the, cut out for the nipples. All right, well, go to our store and find them out. Uh, for... It's part of our maternity line. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have been Julian. And I have been Gumshoe Tom. See you in the finale, everybody. Mm-hmm.